Hello, everybody. It's Keith. Help support the Northeast scene and declare yourself a member today. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast medium of choice. Rate us and leave a review. Every little bit helps. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It has every podcast episode plus other exclusive content. Like and leave a comment. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TheNEScene. Also, continue to write us at NortheastScene at gmail.com. We want to share your experiences as well. And now, here's the show. everybody and welcome to the northeast scene podcast this is keith and tommy and we're back again did you think we weren't going to come back well you were sorely mistaken we're here tommy we're here we certainly are (laughs) and we've got a special guest tonight the triumphant return of kevin die from gates tommy i was looking forward to him coming back to the show gates has a new ep coming out here and now it comes out october 29th I am beyond excited about this, and since Tommy and I are such big players in the music world now, we got an advanced listen, and let me tell you, you will not be disappointed. Tommy, what did you think of it? I my I think I'm I have a hard time with this because I I love this band. Yes, <laughs> that's one of those things where I, I immediately have like the like going into it. I think i know i want to like it so bad and i was not disappointed uh they do such a great job of melding what i like about that type of i don't even know what you would call that like kind of like emo rock what would you call it like yeah it's 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 almost its own it's emo influence for sure be, just because of the level of emotion and yeah. they do a lot they do a lot of the Emo, a part of emo has kind of segued into that delay rock thing. Yes. They do that, but it's not, it's not your typical fare. They, they incorporate a lot of different elements, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's like its own bigger thing. Yeah, I, but uh, getting back to what I was saying, like I think one of the things when I go into their listening, I love the idea when I hear them, is that it, they have a very specific sound that they don't deviate far from. And I mean that in a, the, the kindest way possible. Like when I hear a gate song, I can immediately recognize, oh, that's them. When they dropped the first single, Where to Begin, as soon as the guitar started, I was like, oh my God, they're back. They're back. Like, and I, I got this feeling. I li- we listen to a lot of music, but Gates has a special place in my heart. And just as soon as the song started up, I got like very emotional. I was like, oh my God, it's happening. Because... Uh, they were like the band I was listening to towards the end of Getting High. They were the band I was listening to when I got clean. They were the most significant band, I think, in early recovery for me. And Tommy, for our history, if you and I had a song, I would say it would be Walls by Gates, right? 100%. That's our song. Yeah. Yeah. And because, you know what? I think I sent that song to, I don't know, I might have sent it to some other people, but... Because you, you remember that Hard Times article? It's like Lonely Guy sends another <laughs> unsolicited uh, music recommendation. Yes. That used to be me. So, so like, but you're the only person who listened to it and liked it as much as I did. 
it, I think there's something about, and this is such a weird thing to latch onto with gates, but because uh, there's su- they have such a lush sound. But like one of the things that I kind of clicked with me right away, uh, they have a really cool drumming pattern in the beginning, especially Walls has it. It's that tat 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 tat, and it's like it it doesn't necessarily it doesn't line up with everything else I listen to. Uh, for some reason, that's what jumped out at me immediately from the first listen. And I think after that, I really started to kind of, kind of hone in on things like what the lyrics were. And, uh, and we actually had this conversation before, but I think their lyrics really have so many different meanings to some, like they, you can take away what you want from it. Uh, because we, we spoke about, you know, when we talked with Kevin last time, like, Hey, what is the meaning behind that? And he was like, well, it's kind of like, you know, esoteric. It really has this, it's kind of nebulous. And it was like, Oh, well I took this from it. <laughs> like, we took, you know some- what, when I was listening to them a lot, when I first got into early recovery, I was like, these guys, these are sober guys. Like yeah. they're into recovery. Like I was convinced that the messaging was like where my head was at, at the time. And you know what? I think that's indicative of, uh, an incredibly talented songwriter. And what's the line? The, the, isn't it beautiful to be where we began? Is that the yeah. line? Like, I mean, that's like one of those things of like, it's starting over. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's that fresh start. Like, okay, now I can kind of focus on getting better. And they have a pretty flawless discography. They have the first EP, which has Walls. That's our song, Tommy. Yep. They have the EP after that, which is the first one I heard. You are all you have left to fear. And that has the one-two punch of To Those Who Fell and To Those Who Carry On, two of their most iconic songs. They have Bloom and Breathe, the first LP, which is just unbelievably good. They have the follow-up Parallel Lives, which is unbelievably good. And now, five years later, they'll have Here and Now. We highly recommend it. Check it out. I'm excited, Tommy. I'm really excited for it, too. And what was the date again? October 29th? Yes. So we're excited to speak to Kevin and... We've listened to some more. Now, Tommy, there's so much new music coming out, we can hardly keep up. And we're going to discuss some more of it now. Circa Survive, Tommy. Yeah, I I actually, you know, it was funny. When I first listened to this, the first thing that came to mind was like, yet again, Circa Survive has reinvented themselves. A completely new direction. But again, a same band where you hear a Circa song. And I think one of the things is that's instantly recognizable is Anthony's vocals. But it's the same band, but they've always done something new and fresh and something that has kind of made me tilt my head at first and made me really sit down and listen multiple times. I think, I that's, think this time even more so. Yeah. And I, uh, I made the mistake of, I, I put it on when it came out on YouTube and I was, I didn't, I didn't even know I had the video playing and my daughters know who Anthony is. And I, I had the <laughs> phone up. But I was doing the dishes and I wasn't listening. And Evelyn was like, why is Anthony getting his hair cut like that? And I was like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? And then I looked over and I was like, oh, the video. Oh, okay. Holy cow. Didn't that look painful? (laughs) It looked. (laughs) I could I could feel the the plastic blades they put on those clippers. Uh, I could like feel it rubbing against my head. I was like, ouch, that must have hurt. (laughs) I texted you. It's the video is the world's most violent haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the song is great. I like it a lot. Imposter syndrome. Check out the song and video, folks. There's a definite change in sound. 
the beginning is really different, I think, from what they typically do. And then it kind of rolls over into, I guess, the more standard Circus Survive sound. But I'm I'm excited to see what they're going to bring us with this EP. It sounds like they're doing something different. I like the cover art for the EP, Tommy. Even oh, that looks different. I love that. Yeah. I don't know how you say that guy's name. Esau? Esau Andrews? Esau Andrews. Uh, I think, yeah. It's always, those are the things that, I've seen so many people that have that, you know, uh, what was it, Joe Turner tattoo. Yeah. But there's something that resonates with a lot of people about that artwork. And when I saw that artwork the first time, I was scrolling through Instagram and kind of glanced at it. He really does, it, it, it looks like a photograph. Yes. Wait, isn't it? It looks like a photograph with a mural in the background. I don't, I honestly think that guy is so good. I think he does what that people call hyper realism. Oh, so I think, I think that's all oil. I think that's an oil painting. Wow. We'll have to ask, we'll have to ask somebody in the band to to clarify that because, but I I think that there are people out there as a guy I follow on Instagram called Darren Reed, who does the same thing. It's, it's called hyper realism. And it's like, it's a, they really make things look like an actual photograph. Well, if that's the case, props to Esau, because that is amazing. The EP is called A Dream About Love. It's out October 22nd. Check it out. And once again, the new song is Imposter Syndrome. Check out the video. Check out the song. It is out there. And Tommy, one more piece of music we have listened to. Yes. Our friend Jimmy Rhodes. Uh, he was on the show on episode 58 of our podcast go check it out he's been in tons of great bands but his new band nope. burial waves still good has an ep coming out holy ground that comes out on dark operative november 12th now this thing wow we got an advanced listen tommy this thing was so good Dude, this one hits heavy this one yes, hits that first me. song that Yo. first song when those when that guitar comes in i was like oh my god this thing is wow I, this is really good and it's they do okay. So, do you guys remember that band Block Party? Like not Block B O L C K, like B L B L O C. Like I the, know the name. Okay, it's they have a very they kind of like walk the line between like Block Party and then uh, something much heavy, like a heavier version of that. Um, something like along the kind of like really heavy shoegaze stuff. I yeah. almost kind of think like um, it's that it's the the brutality stuff like where ah. it's it's beautiful yes, we got to bring that word back yes, yes. it's the it's the beautifully heavy but they do a really great job of kind of starting out with that they they have a code seven kind of feel where it's like uh shoegazy lots of angular guitar stuff very very cool uh synthy kind of thing and then it kind of blows up and gets into these very very heavy parts really great yeah i liked it a lot and they did a recorded they did a studio version of cinema shame that yes. was the the live video that they had before they had anything out. Oh, okay. Oh, that song is so good. So congrats, Jimmy. And yeah, listen to his episode if you haven't heard it. Episode 58 of our podcast. It's good. That was the standout track for me. It was Cinema Shame, uh, Lightheads, and then the last one I really, really liked was The Guest. Those yeah, were, see, those... we're, we are right in sync, Tommy, and that is why we do this show together. Is it? <laughs> yeah honestly I it was just because like, we were friends <laughs> no I, not just because we're friends you and i our musical taste syncs up more than most people that i know 
Like, I, I would throw songs to you. You would actually listen to them. We would go to shows together. Our musical oh, yeah. taste seems to be pretty in sync. And these are the reasons we do this show together. Yeah, that's actually uh, a really good point is that we really, if you like something, like, and you have that kind of like immediate, like, I love this band type reaction. Yeah. I know that I'm going to like it. Yes. Uh, I remember when you sent me tracks from uh, Holy Fawn years ago, like, you know, two, three years ago, I was like, oh, okay. And I, I put off listening to it. What a yeah. fucking mistake that was. Like, <laughs> because then I listened to it in my car and I was like, kind of half paying attention. And uh, God, what a fucking amazing band. And it was, that was one of those ones that I was like, yo, Keith and I are on the same page. Like when he really gets, feels passionately about something, it's, it's something that I'm on nine times out of 10, I'm going to be a hundred percent behind it. Like it's going to be something that I'm really into. Yeah, if I'm sending a song out now, it's the real deal. It's oh, yeah. not just, oh, this is cool, check it out. So when people don't listen to it, I, I'm very judgmental because I'm like, look, I'm gifting this to you on a silver platter, <laughs> and you dare not listen to it. No, I'm just kidding. I, I pretty much only send songs to you and Vadim, and you know, if you listen, you listen. If you don't, it's fine. It, it'll come back around. It always does. Yeah. Well, listen, folks, we're out of time for the first segment. But we're going to talk to Kevin Dye from Gates now. But listen, check back in with us in segment three to see how we are doing. We've got a lot of news, Tommy. Yes. Yes. All right. So now we're going to talk to Kevin Dye. Enjoy. All right, folks. We're here now with Kevin Dye. Kevin, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. It's very good to have you back. Now, there's a lot going on in the world of Gates. We've got a new single. We've got a new EP coming up. We've got a tour, and we're going to get to all that. But, Kevin, I have to know, how the hell have you been? It's been, like, over a year since we've spoken to you. It has. Uh, last time we spoke, I was in Brooklyn, and I was recording in my bedroom. I remember I ran all my my uh, cables and everything from my studio into my bedroom because it was so hot. I couldn't run the AC in there because it would be super loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I've since moved to Nashville, and I'm in my studio now, and it's uh, fully air-conditioned and feels amazing. So I'm, I'm a little more comfortable this time, I gotta say. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Wait, you live in Nashville now? Yep. Wow, this whole time I thought, oh, maybe Kevin is still right over there in Greenpoint, but no, you're gone. Nope. I uh, Yeah, we, me and my wife moved here in November of last year, so it's been about a year. Wow. So yeah. how do you like it? It's it's really nice, honestly. It's awesome. Uh, it's just like a completely different pace, you know. Like New York City just gets very intense, and I think during obviously during the whole of last year, you start thinking about a lot of different things. And you know, living in New York, I had had four jobs, and I didn't really want to be doing that kind of like hustle anymore, you know. So we were just trying to figure out. Sarah, Sarah started working remote. Sarah, my wife, started working remote. So that was kind of that that final piece there. We're like, oh, well, we could probably live anywhere now. Um, we should try to do this. Well, it's a possibility. And, you know, we we thought of places to move and, and Nashville was, was high on the list. We got a couple friends here. Um, it's obviously like a music town. So we were like, let's let's just go check it out. You know, if we don't like it, we can always try something else. But it was it just seemed like a good time to try something like that out, you know, so. Um, and we're loving it so far. It's really cool. We got a we got a yard for our dog, and we were able to like afford a car. I, my car got like 
towed, towed off my Brooklyn driveway like three years ago and I haven't been able to afford one since. So it's just like really nice to be able to kind of have those things. And, and yeah, it's working out good. And then I just fly home whenever Gates is, you know, rehearsing or we shot our video or I've just been doing that. And honestly, it's still somehow cheaper than living in Brooklyn and driving. And I'll, and honestly, it's, I think it takes me less time to fly into Brooklyn than it takes for us to drive up to Kingston where we practice now. So it's like, wow. it's not that, you know, time, time consuming or anything like that. So, um, it's kind of been really nice. That sounds great. Yeah. I imagine a big front yard and backyard and like a porch and all this stuff. Am I, am I, am I close? The front yard is not huge. We don't really use it. It's just kind of there. Our backyard is like fenced in and we have a nice deck. I My parents got me a grill like right when we moved here. So I, I just grill like every single day. You know, it's a, our yard is like perfect for our dog. And there's a little like a shed in the back. So I've been using that. It's just like a really nice setup. It's, you know, we, we had a pretty, pretty great spot in, in Brooklyn, admittedly. You know, all during the pandemic, we had like set up a kiddie pool in the driveway there that we could, it was, it was also fenced off and uh, we would just sit there and like drink white claws and um, <laughs> listen to like, you know, country music or pop music and just like <laughs> put our feet in the pool and, and just sit there with our dog. All this. So like we had an outdoor space we could kind of use, but it's just nice having our, our own yard here. And, and again, it's just like a really relaxed vibe. And to be quite honest with you, the work, my work as a producer and engineer picked up pretty quickly in the second half of last year. And I don't think I could have, could have done what I'm doing right now in Brooklyn. Cause the room that I was working out of there, like I said, we didn't have um, central air conditioning. So I was running a window air conditioning unit that was like in the wall underneath my desk. So it was kind of just blowing on like my legs <laughs> and then whenever I needed to listen to something or record something, I had to turn it off and then quickly do what I was doing and then turn it back on. And, you know, it didn't really, when you're running all this gear, it's just so hot anyway. There's just, it's not doing anything. So, um, it was, I don't think I could have pulled it off. Like, I know where you're coming from because even recording this podcast during the boiling summer months to cut down on the outside noise. You know, Tommy will close the door and windows in his basement. I'll close the window because I'm my windows. I'm recording right next to a window that faces a street in Brooklyn. So I got to close that. And we're literally boiling alive, rushing to finish the podcast so we can open the window again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's <laughs> stuff like that where I'm like, you know, it's I think we traded that off because we were in New York City and in Brooklyn and there was always so much stuff going on and we knew everyone a ton of people who live there and it's obviously I still think it's it's the greatest city um I've been to quite a few and it's it's definitely the greatest one that I've been to so I miss it we both miss it a lot we miss our friends there and but like it's just we're home all the time now you know our lives are have changed a little bit so it just feels more comfortable you know it's just easier to kind of get through the day-to-day -day here than it is to kind of just like i said be living at that like pace one of my really good friends said that when i asked him he lives here and, and i asked him about living here and he was like yeah man i feel like you need you need to switch up the pace of of the new york lifestyle because i can't imagine just living at that speed forever and that really has proven to be true i feel like everything's a little more chill here a little more relaxed 
But the one the one big problem that I've found is that there's you can't get food after like 10 p.m. Honestly, you just like in New York, you just take that for granted. Like you just go to a bodega and get a sandwich whenever you want. <laughs> and it's yeah. like that's the one thing like me and my wife have just been like, like the other day we like went to some beer festival or something and we didn't eat beforehand we're like oh we'll just like get some food truck stuff and the lines were super long so they're like oh we'll just go to a bar then and we'll just get food well there wasn't any you know by the time it was over you just couldn't eat so it's like you're just done you're not eating till the next day so it was it's kind of funny it's like all right i think there might there might be spots we just haven't discovered yet but it seems like that's like that's definitely a thing. Yeah, I find that when I travel, I don't eat as much. I'm so stuck on the food here. You know, I, I you can only get good bagels here. You can only get good pizza here. And, well, that's pretty much what I eat. So, like, you know, I'll, at the airport, I'll just eat Cliff Bars. Or, you know, if I'm in the Midwest, I'll eat Chick-fil-A or something. It's like, I'm just stuck on the food here. And like you said, it's 24-7. You know, if it's 11 p.m., I could still Uber Eats, Popeyes, or McDonald's if I want I could walk two blocks away to the bodega and get whatever I want. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That That's definitely something that I think I took for granted living in New York, for sure. I actually, when I was back rehearsing for the tour with Gates, I brought like a dozen bagels back in my bag. Yes. <laughs> and a couple of our friends here um, have lived in New York, too. And I surprised them by, you know, they all, we all, they all came over to watch F1. We all watched Formula One racing together. And uh, I surprised them with the bagels and they were like really, really excited. Because it, it is true. I don't know why, but you just can't find those anywhere else. Like they, they try to make them kind of like that in other places, but it, it just, it's not the same thing. Not even um, close. No, not I don't, I don't get it. I, you know, like everyone has their reasoning for that. And it's like, you know, a tale as old as time, but I really can't figure out why it's not the same <laughs> thing. It's just bread. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what they do. And listen, the pizza thing, I, I, I can have some leeway there. I've had good pizza in other States. I've even had good pizza on the West coast. Like, to me, I eat so much pizza, it's just what whatever. I think I could adapt. But bagels, there is nothing like bagels in the New York, Connecticut, uh, I don't know, whatever else area. There's just nothing else like it. Nope. I think one thing I noticed here is like there are a couple places to try to do it. They're like afraid of not having a hole in the middle or something. I'm like, <laughs> no, like the bagels are just, they're they're huge. You know, there's no actual hole in the middle. Like, and here you can see, like you can put your fingers through the hole. I'm like, that's not how it is. It's supposed to be just like swollen and huge. You know, right. it's like, there's just things like that where I'm like, can they not get them that big? Are they trying to not make them like that? Are they like adjusting for the people who have only eaten Lenders bagels here their whole life and they don't know <laughs> what that is? I think you that's know? it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just, it is, it, it seems like it has to be totally possible. And, and, me and, and a bunch of my friends here that lived in New York, we we've been talking about opening like a bodega or something because you're like, that is the like the simplest possible business. You just have stuff in a store and then you have like a deli counter, and there's nothing like that here where you can just go and just get stuff. I feel like if you open one and you even just stayed open till like two in the morning, you'd make a killing. You know, it just yeah. doesn't exist here. It's super weird. Yeah, like I was down in uh, Alabama for Furnace Fest, and it was, if I had wanted to get food after 11 p.m., it seems like it would be impossible. Yeah. I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm super jealous of you guys going. Did you both go to Furnace Fest? Only me. Tommy, okay. uh, Tommy had some 
Well, Tommy has a family, so he's on duty, man. But me, I got nothing, so I can just go wherever. That's that's awesome. I want to email them and just be like, "Let us play." I just want to go. Like, I want to go, and that's like always the easiest way, like that I can think of. Or like, well, we could play a set, and then I get to see every single band that plays. You know, you should be on it. Absolutely. I mean, why not? And I got to be a stage potato for Mineral. That's a dream come true. When you looked at the lineup for that, I was like, "That this is just nuts!" Like you, I can't believe they got all of these bands to play this. Like half of which, seemingly, I'm like, I don't remember the last time I saw that band on a flyer. You know, like, exactly. It was so awesome. Like I barely even checked the lineup before I went. I'm like so absent-minded and busy all the time. I just, I got there and sat down with my friend and looked at the schedule, and I was like what the fuck? Like, <laughs> how is this awesome, all happening though. on one show? You just like, showed up, you had no clue what it was what it was going to be, and you were just like, okay. I yeah, had this some is- idea, but I didn't realize <laughs> Sunday was so packed. I was like, holy shit. It's just like when you, when you sit down and see it all together, it's like, oh my God. Yeah, that was uh, just seeing all the videos from that and everything is just nuts. You know, like, uh, yeah, I'm really jealous of everyone who went. A bunch of uh, friends of mine ended up going like, the vinyl guys there's a bunch of guys that i met just because they kind of like post pictures of, of gates vinyl like they've tagged us and then i just follow them because i like seeing all the vinyl they post and yeah the, a bunch of those guys went and it looked looked awesome like everything they were posting looked amazing yeah i don't want to rub it in but it was one of the best weekends of my life because i haven't taken a personal trip in a long time i got to reconnect with some people and it was just you know it's just one of those memorable weekends yeah, that's that's incredible. That's what you want those to be, you know? So oh, yeah. it seemed like it was that for a lot of people, which is, to me, the ideal kind of festival situation. I'm I'm not a huge fan of just, like, going to festivals in general, but there's a couple, like, um, I played Riot Fest a couple years ago with a band called Dead Swords, and that was, Riot Fest is also really, really cool. You know, it's just, like, a lot of friends, a lot of bands that I've, I've always wanted to see and didn't get a chance to see. So those kind of festivals are just to me like really, really cool experience. That's where I understand like why people like those, you know, <laughs> like, cause most of the time it's a lot of, it's a lot of artists that like I might not know or only a couple bands I know. And cause I'm, I'm old now and um, you know, it's not necessarily meant for me, but when it is something that's like a bunch of bands like that, that I like listen to still or grew up listening to, it's like really, really cool. It's an endurance test. I don't know how I did it when I was younger. I was like, did I not need to sit when I was younger? Did I not need to eat? Like, what did I do? Because most of day three, I just had to sit because I was so exhausted. Yeah, for sure. Like a warp tour. Like, how did I do that? You know, <laughs> and I was car- probably carrying like seven shirts around all day, you know, like, <laughs> exactly. and like a pile of CDs. We had this discussion when we were talking about the bands that were on Furnace Fest. Kevin, do you know, uh, are you a big fan of Appleseed Cast? Yes. Okay. Because Keith was like, eh, I don't really know him that well. And it was like, we went back and forth on, like, he named like three bands in a row. And I was like, I don't really know them that well. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. They were like huge bands. I was like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> but Appleseed Cast, I've had, I like literally own everything. Like that was one of those bands that when I saw them on there, I was like, oh. I got upset because Tommy doesn't know Mineral, like heavy, you know, like I yeah. do. So I got, right. I got a little upset, but I don't know Appleseed Cast. So you, you give and you take. Yeah, I mean, both of those bands are, they fall into the category of when Gates first started, people kept telling me that our band sounded like those bands. And so I went and listened to them. Like it was of that 
I had never heard Mineral or Appleseed Cast. I found Peregrine by Appleseed Cast in like a dollar bin in Queens, like in some market. And I bought it and was like, whoa, this is really cool. Then, you know, I think Ethan listened to both of those bands a little bit or something. He, um, you know, let me low level owl. And so I started listening to that and, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. It was, it was definitely one of those weird reverse situations where people were like, Oh, I'm certain you love mineral. Right. And I'm like, I've never heard a song, song of theirs. <laughs> um, but like, you know, after listening to that, it's obviously like, Oh yeah, cool. They must've been inspired or the, I think they probably inspired the bands that I listened to. I think that's probably what it was, was a lot of the bands that I listened to and was taking inspiration from were probably inspired by Mineral. So it was like a telephone thing. Like I was two, two uh, generations away or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so. I was going to say, you're third generation Appleseed cast. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, that that's what the story is with those bands for me. But, you know, it's like fucking awesome. There's just so many of those. Like I said, so many bands on there where you're like, yeah. And it seemed like it was one of those things where it was like, just like you said, I could not know three bands that someone else like loved, but there was still enough on there for basically anyone who was at all part of this kind of scene of music to like go and enjoy pretty much music nonstop all day, all three days, like, which is crazy. You know, I, that's pretty hard to do at a festival. So, yeah. So they did a great job. And Kevin, that's interesting that you say you hadn't heard Mineral before performing in Gates because that was one of the first bands that came to mind. I'm like, they're, you know, it's not exactly the same because you guys aren't as slow and brooding as Mineral tends to be. I guess I thought of it as maybe like a speedier, poppier Mineral. Yeah. Again, I was just like one of those things. I think it's, I think it might, might have been, especially early on with Sun Will Rise, kind of the rawness of it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. we recorded yep. that, that just like straight in. I don't think we edited anything. It was just like, all right, that's a good one. You know, like, all right, next instrument, you know, and I was, I was definitely trying really hard on that record, but like we only had so much capability to do stuff. So it was basically like you go straight in and you do what you can do. And then that was exactly what was on the record. So when I hear mineral, I don't hear like, I hear that and, and sunny day and bands like that, that like, you know, a lot of people were saying we, we like had the spirit of, and I, I, I think it was cause initially it was like that. And then you know, we when you moved into like our next EP and things like that, I was like, that's when we started getting compared to the Appleseed cast because they were still a little raw, but they had like interesting production ideas and like kind of like started making these like, you know, flowing, interesting records. So then, you know, that kind of came into play where it was like, all right, I got to check that band out now, you know? So, um, yeah, it's kinda, it is kind of interesting. Again, it's like you you're going for something similar. So then you end up sounding like a band you've never heard of you know which is why i honestly a lot of times when i see like these lawsuits and everything flying around like the recent one with olivia rodrigo having to pay like paramore because the song is like the spirit of the paramore song i'm like all right like at a certain point this doesn't become fun anymore you know like i get when you totally rip a song off but if it doesn't have an exact copy of that like and people are using samples all the time and getting them cleared and everything. But like that wasn't even a sample. It was just like the song kind of reminded you of a Paramore song, you know? And it's like, 
That's I don't know about that. There's a guy out there, Adam Neely on YouTube that oh, did yeah. like a really, really good breakdown of it. Um, and he must have like a legal background, but he talked about they use a word called interpolation. And mm-hmm. it really just means that it, it's kind of like what you said. It's like it's like when you take an, an essence of the song. So whether it's the chord progression or the vocal pattern and you use that to create something new. Um, right. so it's not, it, it's almost like sampling, a, like it's like sampling, like you would do with like a hip hop song, but rather than taking like a portion of it, you're taking like the progression of the chords or whatever it is, like the vocal stylings or, and you're using that to create something new. But, um, he did a really good job of, if you look it up on uh, YouTube, he plays both of the songs at the same time, but he also makes the, the argument of like, there's tons of other songs like this, like Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day is the exact same chords uh, just played at a slower tempo. Like, why didn't they get sued? Right. You know what it comes down to is when something is generating a lot of money, yeah. that's yeah. when the vultures come out. If Olivia Rodrigo was an indie artist who wasn't generating any sales, there would be no lawsuit. But she's a absolute sensation. Yeah. So everybody wants to get paid. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Paramore might not even have anything to do with this lawsuit. It might be a record company or... I highly doubt they did. I mean, like, at that point, you get... When you're a Paramore-level band, I feel like that stuff just... I mean, dude, I'm not a Paramore-level band. Sometimes, like, something happens, and you're like, why is that going on? You know what I mean? Like, things just happen... And you have to go back and be like, hmm, okay, we have to discuss this. You know what I mean? It's like on that level, like legally and financially, they have money coming in that they probably are getting paid royalties for albums that are like 15, 20 years old or whatever. You know, it's like they probably didn't initiate that. I remember that. I remember the Tom Petty thing with Sam Smith too. like Tom Petty being like, I had nothing to do with this. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like his his estate or whoever owns the songs was the one that like put that lawsuit forth. So I, I I get it to an extent, and you know I think again I've migrated over the years on my stance on this, but like you know I, back in the day I would have been really pissed off if you know anyone was quote unquote ripping off another artist, and then I'm like, dude, all like again, like there's just so many things you could have said. I ripped off of all my favorite bands. You know what I mean? Like that's called influence. Like you listen to a band, you think it's cool. And then you're like, how can I make this my own thing? How can I make this cool and, and me about me and, and you know, how can me and my bandmates combine all of our versions of that into something new? And that's all being in a band is. So yeah, everything's been done. You, you just take it and you, you put your own spin on it. It's it's really yeah you're definitely right like she's making a ton of money so someone's like we could make millions if we even get like one point on this thing so could, yeah <laughs> if we could take a, a a half a percent and still make millions yeah <laughs> like, which by the way speaking about her like her producer Dan he was in this band as tall as lions that I was like a punisher for like I used to like go to every one of their shows and like <laughs> he did it to himself honestly he he. Uh, I met him at a show and then he like played me their record before it was out on an iPod, you know? And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like this guy must think I'm cool. And then I just started going to all their shows and then you could start to tell, like I started to get older and started to realize like he'd see me and be like, oh shit, I got to talk to this guy. (laughs) (laughs) um, But, but yeah, like um, he produced like her entire record, a lot of it. So that's that's awesome. Like his band was really really cool and influential. Um, our producer for two, our two full lengths, Mike Watts, did their self titled record, and it was a huge reason why we wanted to work with him and everything. So 
I heard that song and then I saw that he was the producer on it and I was like, that is insane. That's awesome. Like he's getting, you know, all of the success that he deserved for many, many years writing, you know, this super underappreciated band. So, um, kudos to him. And that's, that's awesome that, you know, um, he was able to work with, with a, such a talented artist and, and make humongous hits. So it also speaks about, you know, the perseverance of someone like that, like that, you know, didn't give up and be like, oh, look, I made awesome music and no, not a not as many people listen to it. And now you're like, well, I'll just continue like working with people making music. That's great. For sure. I read, I read an interview with him and he, his point of view on it was very, uh, it was all, it was like all optimistic, very optimistic. You know, I don't think at the end of his band, he, he, he was basically like, you know, I wasn't having fun anymore. And then I started producing people and it was really fun. And I was like, this is what I like about music, you know? And I find that a lot too. Like I love being in Gates. Obviously I wouldn't be um, like flying back to New York from Nashville to continue to do this if I didn't like uh, playing in Gates and, and hang out with those guys and writing music and just didn't feel fulfilled by that. But there is a level of like um, interest and just kind of like a completely different feeling you get when you're working on someone else's stuff versus your own, you know, like the mixing for, for instance, like mixing music is my favorite thing to do hands down, but mixing gates is my least favorite thing to do. (laughs) It's like (laughs) totally different where you're like, Oh man, like I don't, I can't hear it the same way. Whereas like someone hands you their song, you, you, you're coming in with this outside perspective and you, you can kind of just make it, you know, a little bit of your own and kind of try to make it exactly how they envisioned it always. So, um, I can see why he, he might've gotten to that point where he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not really having fun doing doing this band thing anymore but then that part of it which luckily you know there's also the whole aspect of like you get older you don't want to tour anymore maybe you know like um, it allows you to still be involved in music and making records and everything but just in a different way so i'm really glad that he he went down that road and and got into like songwriting and producing because he's he's obviously super talented and awesome at it because <laughs> you know he's he's made these mega hits now so if you see him again, would you slide him a thumb drive with some gates on it and be like, "Look, look what I'm doing now." Oh, I'm sure he's. I'm sure Mike Watts like played it for him at, at some point. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, like, dude, if I ever saw him, I would just run the other way because I like punished I, seriously. Like at at the end, I remember I drove 14 hours to see this band called The Receiving End of Sirens play their last show, um, and he was there at the show and he was at like a pizza shop next door when the show was over. And I went into the pizza shop and like, he was standing there. I was like, Oh, Hey, how's it going, dude? And he was like, why are you here? Like that, <laughs> that's what he said, you know? And I was like, oh. I was like, yeah, it's all right, man. Like I've, I'm old enough now where I figured out what was going on and like, you're good. I'm not going to like make you talk to me for four hours about your, recording your record and all this crazy you know it's just like an enthusiastic kid who would go up to these artists that i really really loved and uh want to know all about their records and at a certain point they were probably like he's probably like i gotta sing tomorrow i can't talk to the student a bar for four hours <laughs> you know so like um i totally understand where he's coming from now i would, I would run the other way and and, and hopefully he would feel good about that. Oh God, I don't have to talk to that guy. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Like at Furnace Fest, I saw a lot of people that I spoke to on the show, but I was so self-conscious and just, I'm just self-conscious and kind of introverted to begin with. But I was like, 
oh man, I don't want to embarrass any, or I don't want to bother anybody. And if it goes badly, I just won't be able to handle it. So most people I just didn't even talk to. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm super, super, super introverted. And like, I just, it, that is, I, I do really enjoy talking to Gates fans and everything. I, and, and I just, I'm so awkward and weird that it's weird for me. You know what yeah. I mean? And like, yeah. And it, it's sometimes it's really, really strange because they want to talk to me about my lyrics or something really personal. And, and the lyrics are deeply personal mm-hmm. and it's like heavy, heavy stuff. So it's not something you can just launch into in a conversation right after you play. And, and I got to admit, I'm better at that than like small talk. You know, like I'm better at just jumping into something really intense, but it does. Sometimes you're like, oh man, like. I don't know what to say. I mean, no one knows what to say when like someone's gone through something kind of like tragic, you know, it's, it's always difficult to think of what to say. So, you know, and then you're just like, I'm bummed someone had to go through something similar, but at the same time, you know, usually they're trying to tell me that the songs and the music helped them through this thing. So I'm usually able to kind of, uh, you know, flip it into a positive thing like that. But, but yeah, it's definitely like, you know, sometimes it's definitely hard for me to kind of talk to people. Um, so apologies to anyone who ever came up to me. is like, that guy was kind of a dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm honestly trying as hard as I can to not be like um, super awkward. But yeah, it's like, it's definitely a little pulling teeth with me to, to have a conversation. Yeah. So folks, with awkward people like myself and Kevin, I, I've learned that people aren't necessarily dicks. They're just, they're just awkward. I've I watch people talk to other people at Furnace Fest and they don't know what to do. They freeze. They're like, "Uh, thanks." Uh, I think most artists are just awkward people. Yeah, especially in the, in this scene. You know, I feel like they're all kind of. I've found in the past couple of years, I just kind of preface it a lot of times. With people like, I'm just I'm super introverted and I sometimes am, am awkward, so I'm just gonna say it. And people are like cool and like especially people who are able to handle social conversations are they're like super. Uh, like generous and nice about it. You know, they know what it's, you know, I, they seem to understand that you might, you might not be able to carry that, you know, conversation the way they can, you know? So I think just, just by being more open about that, it's the conversations and interactions have gotten easier. Cause I'm just like, yeah, if it goes weird, you know why? Cause I told you right, right off the bat, <laughs> you know? So, um, but yeah. And you know, every it's, I think especially now people are getting, you know, if even if you didn't have that kind of social anxiety, you probably have a little bit of it now, having been locked in the house for a year and then have to be shot back into the real world. So I'm only beginning to return back to normal. I'm getting outside a lot more and seeing a lot more people. I feel a lot more normal, but that took months. Yeah. I mean, it's still weird for me. I went to see Thrice this week and it was like the the masks things here. It's totally not. No one wears them. You know, it's like, um, and I I usually wear mine everywhere. But I was with some friends and they weren't, and no one else was in the venue. So I was like, you know, I'm 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 vaccinated. I'm gonna just do. That. I don't. I also don't see anybody. You know, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, cool. I'm just gonna go home and sit in my house for the next week. So but it just felt really weird and I felt weird about it. And then I remember I, I was thinking like maybe the band was, was pissed off that like no one had masks on and now I feel really weird and I should have worn one. It's just, it's like, and then you just don't want to go out again. You know, it's just like, uh, it's like overwhelming to have the responsibility 
still when so many people are being irresponsible about it that you're like, okay, well, if you know if they're going to be horribly irresponsible about it, you start to bargain in your head about trying to, you know, not be a good person anymore. You know, and you're like, I don't want to do this. Like, I just want to not go anywhere, and then I'm I don't have to think about any of this stuff. You know, so um, I totally feel it. It's definitely difficult still with the way things are in this kind of weird limbo where everything's like open and cool, but like if you're if you don't feel comfortable, you can't really go there without having all these weird um, clashing feelings in your head. Yeah. And if it's an indoor thing and there's a lot of people crowded around me, like a show, I would still wear a mask. Like at Furnace Fest, even though it was outdoors, if there was a lot of people around me, I wore a mask, even though I was the only person. Because I, I'm still scared of getting the virus. I'm, I'm vaccinated, but like, I don't want the virus. I don't want to get sick, period. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I used to get sick five times a year. And we've talked about this before, obviously, you know, I had, I had my own th- health problems going on that contributed yes. to that. But like, I think it's just like, you know, I, there's a certain aspect of it where like, I just have this weird social anxiety problems that lead to like certain things. And then you like wake up the next day feeling like you did something horribly wrong yes. by just going into public, you know, like, and then, and then I overthink it for like three days where I'm like, I shouldn't have done that, you know? And it's like, I I used to feel that way anyway. And now there's just all this other added pressure from all this stuff. And, you know, it's, it it pales in comparison to like other, other issues that we got going on. But like it, it, for me, it's just easier sometimes to just stay at home. It was always easier for me to stay at home. So, um, I tend to lean towards, I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to, uh, go and, you know, keep keep working or something work on some music in my house and maybe invite some friends over and, and kind of stay inside so yeah all my toys are at home i like being here but i'm happy to hear you talk about this because it sounds like you overthink things as much as i do like you know again being at the fest there was people i didn't get to say hi to because i'm like oh they're busy they're ta- they're setting up i don't want to bother them and then i would then i left and i'm like oh now they're mad at me because i didn't say hi to them <laughs> Even Dude. though they didn't even see me. Sounds so familiar. It's just these mental gymnastics of ridiculous stuff that I make up. Yep, totally. <laughs> I, yeah, that was that was one of one thing my uh I had a life coach for a while and she taught me it was like that is like the story that you're telling yourself, you know, like and then if you can't find evidence to back that story up, then it's probably not true. So I kind of have to tell myself all the time where I'm like, I think I made that person mad by doing anything like you said you can't win (laughs) most of the time in my head i can't win if x didn't happen then i must have messed something up in the conversation you know i've kind of learned to try to evaluate it from like a a, that kind of like logical standpoint and not be so emotional about about it where it's like if there is no logical reason why that would would happen then it's it's not true you know and then the second part of that is just ask someone straight up just be like did you feel weird about that thing i did and i'm like no I'd be like, oh, cool. You know, it's like uh, after so many years, just realizing I can just straight up ask people and get the answer and then I don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah, again, most people are gracious and understanding, at least the people I, I hang out with. So um, they're, you know, very willing to give you that that angle and just, you know, free you from your own like mind trap that you've created. I just tell myself no one's thinking about you. 
You know, it's <laughs> my own exactly. ego telling me that everyone is obsessing about me and concerned with what I'm doing. No one's thinking about me. Exactly. No one really cares. Like, dude, I, again, I've, I've done a few, you know, podcasts for this. And every time I, I just like stop, I'm like, oh my God, dude, like, what did I say? It didn't matter what I could sit here and say nothing. And I'd still be like, oh my God, I probably said something really stupid, <laughs> you know? And then, and then people will hit me up and be like, really enjoyed the podcast. I'm like, all right, well, there's no evidence I said anything stupid yet. So You know what my favorite thing about this uh, format is, Kevin? It's not live. Yeah. <laughs> it can make us sound fucking fantastic <laughs> in post-production. Exactly. And I do. Well, Kevin, I want to talk about this new Gates music that we have coming up. This is very exciting. Folks, the new EP is called Here and Now. It's coming out October 29th. Yes? Correct. All right, and we've got a new single out there, Where to Begin, and Where to Begin, Kevin. I mean, we've been working on this thing for a long time. I think you were working on this still last time we spoke to you, in August of 2020, I think it was? Yep. Yeah, so it sounds like a lot of work has gone into this. I've listened to the single many times. I mean, I love the music of Gates. It always touches me emotionally. And uh, so let's talk about this a little bit. So you, in August of 2020, we were talking to you. We were still working on the record. So when you're working on the record, how much hand do you have in the engineering? Are you are you producing it along with recording it? Yeah, for this EP, I did almost all of it. Um, Rob Freeman, who owns Audiopilot Studio, where we recorded probably 90% of what's on the record, he recorded some of my vocals so I didn't have to once again, overthink every single aspect of it. it. It's a lot easier when you have somebody you trust kind of sitting there being like, that was a good take. You know, I think, I think when I try to record my own vocals, I did like 50 takes and he did, I think for um, one of the songs, he did two takes of the whole song. It was like, it's done. And then I went in and listened to it and was like, oh, it is done. Wow. <laughs> like, all right, cool. Like I didn't have to do a million takes. So he helped out when I really, really needed like somebody to kind of like give me that opinion there. Um, but everything else was me. We had our friend Trevor Riddell, who was the drummer of a band called Forgivers, and he drummed in Dead Swords and then a ton of other bands. He came in and did some like drum engineering. So every time we did drums, he came in, like tuned the drums, and then I would kind of give him a rundown of what we were looking for. Like we're looking for a really dead, like kind of radio head sound, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, let's put these heads on it. Let's use this kick drum. Let's uh, put it up here in the loft and let's uh, put a bunch of foam around the snare. So like him and I kind of did the drum stuff together. I just wanted some, again, I wanted somebody that was like a drummer to come in. And so for him, both me, Dan, we could have somebody that like objectively could figure out how to get what we were looking for. Um, and then I did everything else. So we we have these vignettes that we've been posting online that we'll continue to post one of them was supposed to go up today but like facebook and instagram have not been working all day but they're little studio like one minute clips of us in the studio and i think uh mike our bassist made them and they're really really good um like fly on the wall like kind of way to see what it was like to work on this record because we did like a studio doc for parallel lives but we like sat down and like you know we i think we had like I think Mike might have even like interviewed us himself and like it just was like when you're getting that it's not this like 
pure thing where you actually see what we did, you're kind of like hearing from us what our intention was, you know, whereas these videos to me are like just this perfect encapsulation of what it was like to keep going into the studio and record these songs. You can see that we did it over a really long period of time. Like we all got our jackets on and we have a fire going in one. And then the next one we're playing (laughs) Frisbee outside. Um, So it's, it's really cool to see that we did it one over a really long time. But for me, I'm looking at it and seeing like, yeah, you know, there's a clip of like the guys playing bocce ball or they're like, they're like eating, uh, you know, stew in a clip or they're like, um, outside do, playing frisbee or whatever, and in every single shot, I have like this concerned look on my face, and I'm like staring at like a compressor. You know, it's <laughs> like I'm just like completely. I had to work the whole time. You know, it's oh. just like me. But that's what I love to do the most. And for Gates, for me, Gates is like a sandbox. It's like we get to do whatever we want. You know, and over the many many years, the guys have come to trust me fully in that department. Obviously, it's still an extremely collaborative process, but as far as like, hey man, you should use that guitar or whatever, they're they're just gonna know that I'm doing I'm making that suggestion for a good reason. So um they kind of fully trust me to engineer the record and and produce it in that sense. I would still say the band produces it um together. And then I mixed it too. I wanted to hire someone else to mix it, but um I did rough mixes. They weren't even like an attempt to mix the song. And everyone in the band, our manager and the label were all like, that sounds pretty much done. So you should just do it. <laughs> so then um, I ended up doing it, which I'm glad I did. I think it was the final thing that like made it really sound like us to the core, you know? Um, yeah. And it does. It does. As soon as those first guitar licks kicked in and where to begin you know, the feelings came up, and not a lot of bands do this to me, but I have a lot of personal emotional attachment to the music of Gates, and as soon as the song started, I was like, oh my god, they're back, they're back. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that was, like, I think the song just being where to begin and kind of having that message and just, like, the way that it plays out and everything. Yes, even the title, like, everything was just perfect for the return yeah, it was just kind of just worked out really well. It was like not intentional at all. Um, it was honestly just like, again, we were working with Wax Bodega as a label this time around. And um, Fred, who runs the label, was just like, I love this song. Let's put it out first. We're like, all right, cool. It just happened to just have that that vibe. I don't think he was thinking like, oh, it's called Where to Begin. We should do it. He was just like, I like the song. So Yeah, when those really cool things happen where everything lines up, I find more often than not, they just happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's not thought that goes into it. Because sometimes I'll be working on audio or video or stuff, and everything just, like, something will sync up perfectly. And I'm like, wow, if someone from the outside saw that, they'd think, like, I labored over that. But it just happened. Yeah, and honestly, not to get totally, like, um, pretentious and, you know, crazy over the top about this, but the record's called Here and Now because we started realizing that Um, It was just better to just jump on the thing that was hitting us right then, you know? And like, it kind of just, that message just formed out of the record. All the lyrics ended up being about like trying to get over the past, you know? And like all these things just kind of started lining up where we weren't going in to intend to do that way. We would record a song and then let's try to make a like an interlude going out of this song into another one. And then it would end up being the intro to a different song. And we're like, okay, 
that's cool. Now what are we going to have going on here? And so we end up with this like record that sounds like we probably meticulously labored over making it like perfectly flow, but it just like accidentally made itself that way. You know, it was like, we just kept doing things like that. Even with like, we made all the visualizers that you'll eventually see for all the songs. Like King will be sitting there and he'll put this animation over the background. And then all of a sudden it'll just line up with the music. And we're like, that's it. You know? So we tried to embrace this kind of like idea of here and now, once we had that concept, we were like, okay, we've been kind of doing that this whole way. Let's just keep going with that where um, we just kind of, don't question a lot of stuff. We don't overthink it. And we try to just follow what seems to be the easiest path of, of least resistance, you know? So, um, it's actually been really cool to do that and have the process kind of dictate what happened, you know, even with the album art, those guys flew out to Texas to meet up with their friend, Rob. They had no idea what the cover was going to look like. It was like, they didn't have any real ideas or anything. They just had a few locations and they just kind of let themselves, just be led to what they saw and the ideas that they had. Um, the video, we had like a rough idea for that. And then, you know, we had Tom meet up with us and it ended up being like incredible. Like I couldn't even believe how cool it came out. So, you know, same here. And I, I want to talk about that video. So who came up with the initial concept and how did we flesh it out? Because it, it looks great. The concept is great. I, I love everything about it. Yeah. So Mike and Dan from Gates came up with the the kind of general idea for the video. We all watched this movie Mandy that Nicolas Cage is in. If you haven't seen it, it's an incredible movie. We all, we used to watch movies after we would practice. Um, and we watched it when it came, it was, it was probably the year it came out. Like time is nothing to me now. So I have no idea how long ago it was, but I know that movie came out within the last couple of years or so. Yeah. Yeah. We watched it together and we were just like, this is awesome. I mean, I visually speaking, there was things happening in that movie that I just was like, I, you know, every once in a while you see something and you're like, you know, this is just incredible. And the soundtrack was great. And it's just like a really cool movie. So the video is kind of an homage to that. I saw, I think one person online note, like noticed it. And I was like, yeah, like for sure. We definitely like looked at scenes of that movie and tried to recreate them in camera, you know? So it's very much inspired by that. Um, and we were mostly going for like visual aesthetic to like feel like, um, the song, you know? So we didn't necessarily have this like, you know, plot laid out in mind again, like for parallel, I had all these video ideas where I had like a full plot and it was like, we didn't make any of them, you know? So, Let's go in and not have it be so complicated that we can't accomplish it. Let's have a couple ideas, buy some smoke bombs and and see what we can do. And most of the idea was just to do this stuff in camera. Like, let's try to get the shot looking cool in camera. And 90% of the video is like that. You know, it was like tinted a little bit and there's some effects on us. But like, we got those looks from, you know, Tom just shooting and, and being able to see what those guys we're envisioning and just get it onto the camera. So um, Tom Flynn, who did the video actually was an engineer on like parts of bloom and breathe. Like a, he recorded the drums on that record or something. Um, and then he was like, I don't think I'm going to record music anymore. I think I'm getting going to get into video. And so it's kind of awesome that after so many years, we were able to actually work with him um, in that capacity, you know, for something completely different. But he he absolutely nailed it, you know. Like he just got what we were trying to do, and you know him along with uh, Mike and Dan King, who just 
were able to kind of give him the feedback to make it exactly how we wanted it. And, you know, we were just, I was personally blown away. I mean, we flew, I flew out to, to New York kind of bummed a little bit because we were supposed to practice that weekend. And then we realized like, oh, we need to shoot this video if we're going to do it. And I was just like salty because I hadn't played music with anyone in like, you know, a really long time. I was like, I just want to play, you know? And then I was like, we do we even need a video? You know, <laughs> just like <laughs> trying to come with any reason not to have to do it. And then, you know, once I saw it, I was like, oh my, I'm so glad we did this. Like it just, for me, it was just like a really good representation of the song and the visuals that, you know, you will see as, as this comes out and everything like, um, Dan and Mike are in control of almost all that stuff. So it's just really cool to have that always be a part of our band too, where, um, it all ties in and, you know, I'm not saying we didn't overthink it all still, but we tried to very much just let things that were gonna work like happen, you know, and let, let the story of the record and let like the concept of the record and let the visuals of the record and everything just bring themselves out from, from where they were hiding basically, as opposed to like forcing them to be anything, you know, and we loved that process. I don't think we'll ever go back to like, you know, being like, no, we gotta play this song. Like it's, it was just so like, actually that song I wrote two days ago, like throw out the one we've been working for five months. We're doing that one. You know, it's just like, we just literally just followed what felt the best to us. There was no preconceived notions at all. We didn't even have a label when we made the record. You know, it was like nobody was, there was nothing to be like concerned about. We could just do whatever we wanted. And, you know, it was, it was fantastic. So it sounds like things changed a lot from Parallel Lives, the last LP. Now, when I spoke to you last, Kevin, you know, it sounded like there was a lot of expectations for the record. And I think you even said the band separated for a while after the record came out. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think it was. I think we were probably not playing for just under a year after, from like 2017 to 2018. So, so how did this new experience compare? It sounds like we're just trying to take a different approach. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just again, it's just a. I think it was a. It was a initially a product of the circumstance. We work with Mike Watts for two records. Loved working with him. I mean, I still think Parallel is an incredible record. He helped us get it exactly how we wanted it. Yes, and it is. Yeah, and we were we were super happy with that. There was absolutely not working with Mike again had nothing to do with him necessarily. It was it was like we knew we didn't have a, a label budget, and we didn't want to go to a label without any music and be like, "Give us money to make a record," because we didn't even know what we were going to make. You know, it was, again, we didn't have any idea. Was it going to be an EP? Was it going to be a double album? We don't know. We'll just go until we feel like it's done and just stop, you know? So because of that and because of the way we started going about things, we we wrote three songs, demoed them, and then picked one. And it was Pretending, which is on the EP. And we recorded it. And then we were like, okay, that's cool. And like I said, then I think we were like, we should write like an instrumental outro to this song. And that ended up being the intro track of the record out of nothing. Because then I wrote Where to Begin based on the riff from Out of Nothing. I realized I had a chord progression that was in was in 7-8 
and and like matched up with it and was in the same key. So then I wrote that song based on that. So it was like everything just bounced off of one another. And we couldn't have done that if we went into a studio like, all right, we got we got to record 10 songs. You know, it just wouldn't have worked out the way it worked out. We didn't want to have to take a month off work or whatever. You know, we wanted to just be able to do it on our own time and just experience it in a different way. And I don't think because I, I don't live in New York anymore um, as, a, as a huge part of it, I don't think we'll be able, able to record that way again. I think, you know, the next thing we do will probably have to be done all at once or like in bigger chunks. But it was a really, really cool way of doing it. For me, I can hear myself getting progressively better like as it as the record goes i'm sure i mixed it all uh in february so like everything's like was mixed at the same time so that kind of gave it that like uniformity but um it was kind of cool to be like all right i learned from that last song what not to do for this song and what to do for this song you know again you go to record you do all the drums in two days and then they're done you know with this we could learn because we were doing it all ourselves and um, I was going to be fully, you know, responsible for everything. It was like, all right, now I can learn for the next song. So it was just, it was just about like convenience for how we were currently operating really more than anything. When we decided to come back, it was like, well, we can't come back to the capacity that we were doing before. I don't want to drive out to Jersey four days a week and write a record like that. You know, let's figure out how to do it a way that's manageable for everybody. How did you do it? Are people working remotely and where do you actually record it? Are they meeting up with you in Brooklyn to lay parts down? How does it work? Uh, I was so like kind of random. Basically, we most of the songs, if not every song, was started off in my Brooklyn apartment. It was somebody would come over, one or two guys, it usually wasn't the whole band, and would either have an idea or I had something that I would play them. And we would add stuff to it. So it'd be like, I have a electronic drum beat and a little guitar part and a kind of like a mumbling vocal melody. And then Ethan would come over and be like, Ooh, that's cool. And he would come up with a guitar part and be like, Oh wow. That's a really cool guitar part. What if we put that here? What if we did this? What if we extended this out? Do that for two or three hours, put that on Dropbox. And then it was usually a test. Like if somebody else in the band was like, what's that? That's really cool. Be like, all right, <laughs> we should work on that a little more. So if uh, so, if you hear nothing, you know that we might need to work, move on to the next idea. Yeah, that's usually what we call the Dropbox test, which is if you put an idea in Dropbox and no one says anything about it, it's just like probably never going <laughs> to be a song. <laughs> but then there's also times where it's like, I was so stoked on that. No one said anything about it. I was like, oh, I thought I texted you about it. It's sick. You know, it's like, um, it's not always a fail safe thing, but yeah. Um, but yeah, usually it was that, you know, I was like, I, I remember when I put, put the where to begin demo on the Dropbox. I was like, if no one says anything about this, I'm going to lose my mind. Cause I, I was like, this is the best song I've ever written for sure. And I met up with Dan King to go to a show or something like that next day. And the first thing he said was like, dude, that demo is crazy. And I was like, all right, this is definitely <laughs> going to be a song. Like, And that was one of the ones where we just, you know, we demoed that out. And I, I had the demo. It sounds pretty much near identical to what there is on the record. Minus like you can basically, if you add everyone in my band playing on top of it, you get the song that you hear now. 
You, you know what I mean? Like, it just sounds like that with everyone else just like stripped away, you know? So um, it's kind of hilarious, but I, I think we're going to put the demo out on the Japanese CD that we're pressing. So it'll be available at some point. But um, yeah, it was just kind of like that. It was like, make that demo. Everyone likes it. They start adding parts to it. We start taking away other things. We mess around with it. And once we felt like it was a good enough song, we went into the studio and recorded it for real. Um, and then we did the next thing. You know, it was very like, it was, it was kind of weirdly methodical, but also like not really so. And a lot of the stuff I did in Brooklyn ended up on the track. You know, it's like, it's a song called We Are where um, I made the beat initially on this like little sampler I have. And we just left the sample in there because it, sa- it had this like cool groove to it. You know, it kind of dictated how the groove of the entire song was going to be. So things like that was like, we'll just leave that in there. Um, you know, it's cool. It's interesting. It's weird. So they were kind of constructed in, in a weird way of like um, demo, taking the same exact demo file and recording on top of that. And then like getting rid of anything from the demo, we didn't like replacing it with stuff um, in the actual studio, redoing the vocals and then mixing it and then finishing it. Yeah, it sounds great. And, you know, it's got to be great to have a producer engineer in the band as well, because you can navigate all that and you know what works and what doesn't. And it sounds like the guys trust you. You know, I was going to ask, does it ever get difficult? Because not only are you a member in the band writing songs and recording, but you also have to tell people, hey, maybe try this or maybe try that. But based on what you've said, it sounds like they trust you. Yeah, at this point, for sure. At this point, there's not a lot of um, arguing about stuff per se. Again, I feel like I feel like we kind of avoid that by just getting rid of anything that has any even hint of that. You know what I mean? It was like, we, I I think people would probably be surprised how many songs we actually wrote and then just didn't use on this or didn't finish all the way. It's like you know, you're probably wondering why it took us five years to finish like a what's essentially a six song ep you know to us it feels like a record but it's because we just like if anything if there was hesitation about anything we just got rid of it you know there was no long it, it's not the kind of thing we're like you know what you should do it's like eh, everyone kind of just knows you know it's like well i can tell like dan's not really stoked on that verse so this song kind of sucks then right it's like the song had to be every single person had to be like crazy about it you know and if there was some i remember the last track on the record ethan hated it (laughs) he fucking hated the song i mean he was pissed about it 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 was he's like i don't get this song we were in brooklyn and i was like dude this song has to be on on this record like a hundred percent this is like i felt like it was really cool it was definitely a me song for sure it was something that i kind of like conjured up out of nowhere and was like really pushing hard and and Dan King really like flourishes on it too. And Mike plays this really cool synth line. It's like, it's just an interesting song that was kind of more tailored towards other guys in the band. Whereas Ethan, he's kind of the lead guitarist now. Dan still plays these kind of lead melodies, but he plays, he'll, he'll migrate to keys or he, he'll do a lot of like sampling on his pedals and do a lot more like um, ethereal kind of weird tonal stuff. And Ethan always kind of just sticks to like, playing these like lead parts at least he was during the writing of this so this was one where he didn't really have that you know so he kind of had to force himself to do something else but once 
he figured out what to do and what once he locked into it his mind totally changed you know and that's still possible it's still possible that someone might not be super stoked on something and you know we'll argue our way into making it really cool you know like we are was another thing that i had a really strong idea for what the rhythm section should play so you know it it needed to be that way or the song wasn't going to be cool but that was a discussion of like all right you guys are pretty much gonna have to learn something that i kind of give you you know are are you cool with doing it that way or do we want to jam this out in the basement and kind of make it a different thing where like the origin of it is different you know and so we kind of just agreed like all right well the drum machine demo sounds cool. So let's basically copy that over and make it make the real drums play that groove, you know? So, um, again, there's, there's things like that. It's mostly, it is mostly like producer hat stuff for me at this point, you know, where it's like, I trust me, I know what this is going to sound like at the end, you know? And everyone does, everyone does trust me that we're, it's going to get somewhere really, really great. But I do think we just kind of, by instinct pursued the ones that we knew would just like be really good songs, you know? And like, we were definitely playing some stuff early on that maybe kind of sounded like it was like a tribute to gates of the past kind of a thing <laughs> where it's like, Oh yeah, that could have been on bloom and breathe. You know what I mean? And then we're like, we don't want a song like that. We want a song that couldn't have been on any of our records, you know? So we just would throw it out eventually and just do a different tr- track, you know? That's a great approach and a brave approach because so many times I've been in bands and you're laboring like, oh, we have to finish this song because it's a song and I don't love it, but I'll come up with one more riff and I guess it'll be done. And you guys just got rid of all that stuff. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like we definitely still try to do that. There's songs that are 10 years old, 15 years. I mean, we're still digging out parts and being like, there was one song, I can't remember what the demo, Spring Break is the demo name for it. We have been trying to make that a song. That was a Parallel Lives song that didn't make the cut. And I swear we tried to jam it another 10 times for this. It was like, no, no, no. If if we make the verse, the chorus, it's going to be a great song. Like, And we always do. It's, we get it out and we change it around a little bit and it never quite gets there. You know, one day it might. I do think that there's something to it. But, you know, and admittedly, I think also because of the way we write now, it's a lot less like, well, this riff goes into this riff really cool. You know, it's a lot more like, that's a good song. It kind of requires me to connect with it and come up with like vocals and a kind of like lyrical idea that everyone can get behind. So there'll, there'll probably be that moment in a song and you're like, oh, wow, that is, that's what we're trying to do. Like, that's really cool. And we'll kind of pursue a song that has a more, I guess, developed kind of vocal idea over something that doesn't. Because again, it's just it's just easier, you know. It's, it feels less forced for us. It feels a little more like natural, or it's the same. It's the same uh, concept I've been talking about, where you're like, that just kind of easily came out of me. So why would I spend months like trying to force myself into this a weird place when this thing is just coming to me so easily, or I could just as easily pick up the guitar and just try to come up with a new thing that might just flow right out of me, you know? So yeah, we try to do that. We're, you know, we're in the preliminary talks of like what, what our next thing is going to be. And we have a bunch of songs that we wrote for here and now that honestly we wrote to be on the record, but with the pandemic and everything, we realized like, Oh, this is really cool the way it is. 
And we should put it out like that because we could keep going with this, but I think this stands on its own. And if we don't put it out, it's going to be another like three years before anyone hears anything. So <laughs> this, this sounds great. This is awesome. Like, um, and then we have stuff that, you know, is like, we're like, all right, cool. Let's, let's see what we do. We can do with this stuff, but who knows what's going to happen. You know, all of that stuff could get thrown out because we get together once and write like something completely different. And we just start pursuing that instead. So we have all these ideas that are cool now, but like, you know, I, I tend to do this thing where I open up notepad and just start writing out like, all right, track two would be this demo totally. And then, and then that would go really good in track three. And you know, this stuff never ends up being what the record is. Cause you just, you know, someone's going to do something else that we all just are like, that's the thing, you know, like, you know, what's that drum beat or whatever. And we just do something and that'll end up being the like where to begin of the next record, you know? So it's just kind of like, um, about following that and allowing yourself to kind of go down those paths. Um, we don't have a lot of time, you know, we don't, we're not like, we're not, it's not the way it used to be where we just have a lot of time to just sit around and, and like I said, get together four days a week and just mess around. So when we are together, we try to like, we've kind of tried to learn to streamline the process and just trust each other and do what feels best as soon as possible. So we're not like wasting a lot of time just working on stuff we know isn't going to work out. Right. And it sounds like you guys have known each other long enough and you've been doing it long enough that you can get down to business and get it done. And yeah, who knows? Everything you've written might go out the window because you're on to something else. But it sounds like your instincts and the band's instincts are dead on. So you just got to follow wherever the right way is. For sure. I mean, dude, I trust these guys just as much as they trust me to do something that's going to make me love the song. I, I always say it like I've tried to make my own solo music for years and it's really difficult for me because every every song in Gates was something that, you know, either someone else wrote and sent over that was like, whoa, like what is that? And I got real stoked on it and we like turned it into a song or it's something that I wrote that I was like, this sucks. And I put it online and then someone in Gates added something to it that made me love it. You know, so like none of them, it's very rare. There's something that I'm like fully formed, like I made that I think is good without needing anyone else to kind of put their thing on it. And so for me, Gates is just like an awesome way to give this, like the bones of something I made or for somebody to do the same thing and for each other to kind of put our take on it and make it what the group loves you know make it something that all five of us agree is super cool you know and that can be tough but because we have this chemistry and friendship you know like we yeah we weren't playing but we were hanging out and i I honestly think uh, ethan moved to nebraska and then he was coming back to new york and just like coming over and we were still writing stuff i mean we just kept we stopped but we just kept going you know it was like we didn't stop hanging out we hung out all the time i mean i saw all these guys a bunch. You just weren't in like the industry cycle anymore, tours, next record, like all that stuff. Right. We didn't have like, yeah, we didn't have like a record waiting or like, oh, you just booked this awesome tour. You got to get something going. You know, we just had stopped doing that, but we were still going and the wheels were always turning because I just think there's this, uh, I, I can't even explain it. This just like, I, there's nothing else like it. It's really hard to explain to people that don't 
understand it. And especially it's weird for us too, because we we're the same lineup that we have always been and everything. It's just like, there's this camaraderie between us that even when there's like a frustration or, um, you know, we're not seeing eye to eye, there's just like this level of respect that, um, you just, it's like impossible to get from anything else. So I think because that's always there, we tend to end up being successful as a partnership because, I respect every one of these guys for what they bring to the table. And I know they feel the same way about me. So we're able to accomplish things that we can accomplish on our own. You know, and I truly believe that. And it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to work with these guys again on yet another piece of music that I consider to be the best thing that we've done. Yeah. And now is the time, Kevin, now is the time to release this thing. And I'm super excited about it. Like I listen to a lot of music and, I check out a lot of bands, I hear a lot of records, but when I see New Gates News, it is a special kind of excitement, and you want something new out now, because you got a tour coming up, right? We do. You're going to be out with uh, The World is a Beautiful Place and Bent Knee. Correct. Yes, and that kicks off November 3rd at Lincoln Hall in Chicago. Folks, if you live in Chicago, you are not going to want to miss this show. I mean, come on, you've got to go. You've got to do it. Gotta do it. Chicago is one of our favorite places to play too. I'm really excited to start to start in Chicago, and I'm excited to play shows. I mean, honestly, this was something that the world is asked us to do during the pandemic, and we all kind of laugh like, "Well, sure, but it's probably not going to happen." <laughs> and then it got postponed a couple times, and now it's happening. We're like, "Oh, sweet! Like, we're actually we have a tour lined." Like again, another thing that we just were like. Instead of saying no and being like, well, that'll never happen. We're like, yeah, sure. And then it just worked out. You know, it's like, I'm not saying everything is, is working out. Like the vinyl delays are like killing us right now and things like that. You're like, I don't you Everybody. Know. Yeah, the, everybody yeah. has delays unless you're right. the Rolling Stones, I guess. 100%. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, we probably won't have the record for the tour. You know, whatever. It's everyone understands it. But like things like that where you're like, wow, we, we actually are going to have like a run of shows to play. Um, we've played a couple shows with world is in the past and like, we've always been like, we should tour with that band. It makes total sense. So it's really cool to be doing it with them. You know, really awesome that they asked us to go out with them after like, we, we didn't have it. I mean, there was no indication. I think originally the tour was going to be in June. Like our record wouldn't have been out by then, you know, like they just did it because they're like, oh, can you guys play shows? Will you like, so it's really, really cool that they asked us to do that and that it happened to work out this way. You know, I'm really, really happy that we'll have new music to play. And I'm sure there'll be a couple of people who, you know, are bummed we're playing a short set or whatever, but we've wrote like a real ripper set that we're super excited to play every night. It's going to be like just really, really fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm excited to actually like go on stage and play and go on tour. We've played a couple of shows since we've, fired back up again but we have not gotten in the van since 2017 so wow wow it'll be fun it'll be really fun 2017 that's like a lifetime ago yeah it was crazy man and that was like it was it was a headlining tour we did and we kind of knew you know we're like uh this might be the last tour we do for a while like oh um, that was the first time i saw you with uh oh wait was it uh first or second was that when you were out with uh vasudeva Mm -hmm. yeah and head north yeah Yes. Um, really fun tour. Those everyone in there, like Ben Lieber, who's in Head North, he took the photos that you're probably seeing at this point of us in January of 2020. 
for the record. Originally, honestly, we we were thinking about putting this record out in pieces, like three songs at a time for a while, and that we were pretty dedicated to doing that in like February of 2020. And so he took like promo photos for us and then we didn't use them until now. <laughs> so like <laughs> Dan King is like super long hair, like a mustache now. And like, he's got like short hair in the photos there. It's like, yeah, we don't look like that anymore. But, um, <laughs> but he, the photos are so cool. We're like, we got to use them. And, and Ben like kills and eyes. He does. A, he's a videographer. He, he did a lot of like, like the cut down videos for us, like for like our promos and stuff. So it's cool to be working with him. It's like, I feel like we always like, we have this thing that's like, I guess we kind of call the Gates family where like, we just meet these people through our band and, you know, through sheer luck or like at least the other guys in my band being super nice and personable, like we all become friends and then you just kind of form this community and you feel like, you get to work with all these people in some capacity, you know, and you've been like waiting to work with them for years. And somehow this stuff always manages to work out, you know, it's like, um, like Drew who played in, in the band Sean for a while. Like he is the guitarist in this band that I'm mixing right now. Or you're where I didn't even realize he was in the band. Like I met this band through another band I recorded. And then it was like, Oh, he called me and was like, Oh dude, I'm in this band. And I'm like, that's, crazy you know it's like and it's just cool like there's this community that you just build over the years that you know i just feel lucky to be a part of so it's kind of cool going back into that and knowing okay we'll be touring and it'll be yeah it'll be super crazy it'll be you know masks never leaving the green room like covid tests every day like it's definitely not going to be a tour where you know unfortunately we're going to be able to hang out a lot but just to be able to get out there and play the shows and and it'll give us more time to kind of just hang out with the other artists, I think, you know, which is always a real treat on tour. You kind of just get into conversations and things with, with other artists that you probably wouldn't be, a, have a chance to otherwise. So, cause yeah, you're spending more time together, a lot more time. Yeah, for sure. So I know Chris from the world is, is somebody I've, I, we've, we've met a couple of times, but like everyone always thinks I look like him. So, <laughs> and we have like a lot of weird shit in common. He's also a fantastic producer. Not saying I'm fantastic, but he is a fantastic producer. Um, we had like the same guitar for a while. And like, um, I know like one of his favorite movies is Alien. It's like one of my favorite movies. Like, we, we, we've been, we like always joke around online wherever like we should trade spots and see if anyone notices or something. <laughs> I wanted to start a band with him and uh, Dave from Pianos Become the Teeth for a while because like the three of us kind of look alike. And on a Pianos tour, like people would come up to me and be like, you're the best drummer. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> like they thought I was him, you know? Um, so like I always wanted to start like a trio with them because we all look the same. People would just get confused as to who did <laughs> did what. But but yeah, man, it'll be really fun. I mean, I'm just looking forward to it. When was the last time you played a show? Uh, it was it was December of 2019. We played a holiday show with our friends at Mercy Union in Asbury Park. It was super cool, but Ethan had like a fever of 104. Oh my um, god! And he like powered through it, and it was like a co-headliner, so we actually played like a pretty decent amount of tracks. And it was a, it was a great show. It was super fun. But then, like you know, three months later, they say, and I don't, I don't think we even honestly. At this point, we're like, you know, we've been out of the game so much. It's kind of hard to like get back in the touring game when you haven't played or put out music or anything, you know? So again, like credit to the world is for like asking us to be a part of the tour because, you know, they just as easily could have 
picked picked a band that was like you know actively doing a lot more or had like a lot more going on you know and and they just wanted to tour with us because they liked us and you know we we liked them and wanted to do it with them so it's just a really cool opportunity so yeah i was gonna ask do you have to email them or email somebody to ask to get on a tour and they asked you so that's great yes yeah they did and their their manager is uh my friend anthony too which i think you know i'm always talking to him so i think that probably helped out in some regard too but um you know it's just again it's a community thing it's like i've been friends with him forever he worked at voodoo studios when gates was there i produced his old band's record and we've just kept in touch and um we've become friends through that and again to me you know, looking forward and, and and working with a lot of artists too that, you know, a lot of the artists I work with are maybe playing rock music or, you know, I do work with, I work with all genres, but, um, you know, some of them are playing music or just starting out or even there and they're looking at, um, you know, TikTok and they're like, oh, how do I, I got to make like a, a viral TikTok video if anyone's going to listen to my music and stuff. And I told, I get like, like th- it is, it's insane. I mean, like we have to do this rollout now where we're doing all the social media stuff. And luck- luckily we have some people to help out with that, but it's like, I'm, I got to basically post all this stuff and I basically deleted all my social accounts before this. So like getting back into it, it's, it's intense. Like it's really intense on the mind. And when you're a new artist and you don't have a following, you got to start from zero. So like, I can't imagine being like, I wrote this song and I have to put it out into a world where people are just liking just stuff. Like the internet is for stuff. It's not for really made for art like that. You know, it's just made to be a place where you see just some funny stuff or whatever. Like a really important news article will be right next to someone trying to be funny on Twitter, you know? And it's like, (laughs) there's, it's kind of hard to look at that and be like, well, why did that stupid joke get, 30,000 likes or whatever. No one liked my song. It's like, well, cause people just are looking for dumb jokes on Twitter. They're not looking for your song, you know? So to me, it's about that community thing. you reach out to the bands that, you know, make friends with bands that you like, like that is where, how we are still doing this and even got any opportunities when it came down to this, you know, it's like, and that to me is the, is way more rewarding at the end of the day to have like a smaller group of people that, I respect that we constantly work together and you know, it's just, it, it's just something that like, I still kind of like, um, treasure about being a part of this band and being a a producer even and creating my own community of artists that I've worked with where I, I start to think like, Oh, this person would collaborate with this artist really well, or they should tour together. or I should get in contact with this label that put out this record to put out this other record. It's like, you start to build this community up and, you're able to help and lift lift each other up and and also just be interested in what each other are doing and that becomes that draws other people in too and i try to kind of encourage people to look at it a little more zoomed in as i say and kind of like you know not get so hung up on the fact that like everyone in the universe isn't looking at what you're doing like you know you're making a something that's really important to a, a group of people and that is always ultimately going to be way more rewarding to me that's great advice because yeah with our you know our podcast is a three-man operation me and tommy and then our friend mixes it and our friend he's our friend and you know when we started out we talked to our friends and we didn't have any grand ideas about this 
big universal thing. We talk to our friends. We still talk to our friends, and it grows from there. You just got to start with what you know and start with who you know, and I think and grow it from there. For sure. I mean, that's what this scene was originally about to me. You know what I mean? It just felt like that from from day one. So to continue to be able to do that and, and keep that mentality going, you know, I think it's just really, really awesome. And, you know, I'm, I feel honored to be a part of that, you know, and even, even doing this with you guys the second time here and be able to talk to you and everything. I know that there's that, that thread of that mentality as well. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. And, um, yeah. So I, I just love that about, about this music scene and, and how I've been able to kind of be a part of it for so long. You know, it's, same here, it's really yeah. cool to be able to still be doing this and put out a gate song and have so many people be excited about it and hopefully get a few new people on board as well. And it's just like an absolute honor for me to be able to do it. So, Well, Kevin, let's recap. Now, the new EP, Here and Now, it's dropping on October 29th. So folks, the minute it's up, we want to get it. We want to listen to it. So is there going to be physical releases? How can we support you? It sounds like vinyl's backed up. Yep, but we we are doing vinyl. Um, you can pre-order it um, on the Wax Bodega website. We have a link on all of our social medias for that. Um, we have um, merch bundles with that. We will have merch on tour. We will have Japanese import CDs on tour from Friend of Mine Records. We will, you know, if, if you order the vinyl, you will eventually get it, I promise. But, uh, you know, as every artist is having right now, it might be a little backed up, but but yeah, we're we're working on that. And honestly, just coming out to the gig. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, uh, hopefully there'll be another one. I totally understand. But uh, you know, if you want to support, uh, the best thing you can do is probably just share it with somebody else you think might really like it. You know that that goes a really long way for us. So I think most of our fans came from word of mouth of somebody being really excited about it. And saying, hey, you really got to listen to this to somebody else that they knew would connect with it. So I think you might forget sometimes how important that is. But even just sharing the song on Instagram or like just showing showing your friend or like putting it on your playlist or whatever, um, it, it, it really helps us out, you know, to just get it into people's ears. And, and again, just kind of build up our community a little more, have a few more people involved in it. You know, we're trying to be, um, I always try to respond to, messages and and everything i get because to me it is important to to keep supporting and having that that place you know or like if you listen to our music uh you're not hopefully not going to be just kind of like listening to it in a void you know you're like part of this thing that we're trying to make so yes and i i feel that way you know it's like a fan of gates is a real fan of gates it's not like yeah i just listen to gates it's like no i listen to Gates. Yeah, yeah. I feel Gates. I get that from the people I know who like the band as well. For sure. And that is like insanely cool to me. You know, again, that's the, uh, that's like the embodiment of, I can't have a conversation about the weather, but I'll talk to you about like the preamp I used on the recording for eight hours. Like <laughs> people who really love our band are, are going to be able to like listen to what we just talked about and like get fine enjoyment out of it. And like, that's what I'm able to talk about is what I spend my entire life trying to work on is making music, making records sound great. You know, it's like, I can only really talk about stuff that I've, I've been really studying to the point of like, I, yeah, I think I know what I'm talking about here. I'm like 80% sure I know what I'm talking about. So, um, it's always good to meet people who are just music fans and they want to tell me about music. They want to talk to me about recording. You know, I've been teaching classes on zoom about recording. It's like met some people through that. So 
it's just, again, a really cool thing and a way for me to meet friends and people as someone who can't really do that in any other way. Um, and just have this huge community of people that, you know, I, I trust and love and that we get to make music together or share the experience of the music that Gates has made. So, um, yeah, we appreciate you and we love every one of you guys and we appreciate the, uh, the patience of waiting for, um, for so long for us to kind of put this thing together. But I think anyone who's liked our band over the years will really enjoy this record. Honestly, I, I, I can say that like with pretty utter confidence, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's definitely like unrecognizably gates at this point and that I don't think it's exactly what we've done in the past, but it like sounds like our band because it is our band, you know? So I'm really excited about it and I hope everyone enjoys it. Awesome. So yeah, folks, the first single is out there right now, where to begin, check it out on streaming services. Make sure you watch the video, too, on YouTube. Honestly, I don't watch music videos most of the time, but this one was really good. Really nice looking. I love the concept. I love everything about it. The EP is coming out on Wax Bodega. Search them out now. You can do a pre-order. And once again, Gates will be out on tour with The World is a Beautiful Place and I Am No Longer Afraid to Die and Bent Knee. The first date is November 3rd at Lincoln Hall in Chicago. Go check out the tour. They're stopping in a lot of cities. And Kevin, as you know, I'm a fan of the band. I'm a fan of what you do. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us once again. And I want to thank you and the band for what you do. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm really glad we got to do this. I know we talked about it when we were talking last. You know, I was like, well, I'll actually have new music soon. So (laughs) (laughs) we should talk about that. But, But yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. And Again, being a part of this and supporting bands like us who need stuff like this for for people to be able to hear, and just like ha- like having this community and having people to talk to. So, huge thanks to you guys. There you have it, folks. Kevin Die, excellent conversation. We got to hear a lot of behind the scenes about here and now the upcoming EP. And it's just, it's really nice to talk to him. Tommy, that's one of those conversations where we're just really rolling and it's really natural. And then I have to break in to be like, wait, we got to talk about the album too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's another thing is that uh, Kevin's really good at talking about the production that he does and how he, how he works with music um, in a way that's relatable. So it's like somebody like myself that doesn't know the ins and outs of the studio stuff. He can kind of break it down in a way that's understandable and like, oh, okay, I I get what you're doing. I understand what your focus is when you do that. Like that's that's huge. My favorite part was when he said he he took it to be mixed and the guy was like, this is basically already done <laughs> because it just shows that he doesn't have an ego. Like he, he wants the best for the production. And he's not like, oh, well, I got this. So he, he brings it to the guy and the guy's like, no, this is pretty much done. So, I mean, he, he had already done such a great job with it. And he did, Tommy. Like, I know he said that uh, it wouldn't sound that great on the SoundCloud, but I listened to the, the advance on SoundCloud with headphones. And it sounded fantastic. Something I wanted to say in segment one, which I forgot. I had kind of a realization, Tommy. Yeah. This was one of those like shower moments of clarity. Yeah. I was just thinking about, man, Gates' music really gets me. And I think the music that we really attach to, it's, it's, like, it's like the moments and the experiences and the emotions that we have 
when we first discover that music. Like I was talking about in segment one, you know, Gates I discovered at a time when there was a lot of changes in my life and just a lot of going on and self-discovery and all this stuff. So Gates will forever be a very emotional band for me that makes me think of that time and new experiences that I have now. You know, like all this stuff is going on now and it's like their new song is called Where to Begin. <laughs> it's just yeah. like they're always like right on with what's going on. And and another example, like uh, Furnace Fest, seeing Killswitch Engage play The End of Heartache and the fest coming to an end and it being bittersweet. That song will forever remind me of that moment, and I'll love it forever because of that. Have you ever had music ruined by a moment? Like, you can't go back to music anymore because of what was happening at that time, even though you love that music? Of course. What was it? Uh, let me think. What was the music? Because I have one off the top of my head that I know I, I loved, and then it was just like, never mind. I can't think of a song offhand. Okay. That that I won't listen to anymore, but I can think of people having adverse re- reactions to songs I like, okay. and then when the song comes on, I'm like, "Oh, that person didn't like this. Fuck them." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think I think I love the music so much. I don't. Le- I like. I'll tell you. I could never watch, even though it's great and hilarious. I could never watch Kids in the Hall again. Why is that? Someone who I really, really, really dislike really liked that show kids in the hall and when i think of the show i think of him and now i can't i'll never be able to watch it again which is sad that is sad i actually mine is explosions in the sky oh why i love that record and then i brought it to visit a old girlfriend and she was like this isn't even that good and i was like I'm okay. What? Like, and I remember being like so disappointed. I'm like, but this is an amazing band. Like, I, I, I've never heard anything like this. And I'm, uh, why can't I think of the name of it? The one with the writing all over the front. Like, it just has like, uh, script. The world is not a cold, dead place. There you go. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal EP. She, Tommy, is incorrect. She is incorrect, but it also makes me, it's kind of the same thing. It brings up that memory of that person when I listen to it and it's forever kind of like etched in my brain as like, yeah, never mind. Like I don't get the, I don't get the goosebumps like I used to when I got listened to that. I don't get the goosebumps I used to when I listened to that, when I first heard it, that moment forever kind of changed it for me. That's a shame because that EP is so good. Your hand in mine is like one of the best songs ever. It certainly is. I love that guitar break in the middle. Holy God. There's a lot of songs that make me too sad. Like, here's one. Hammock has a single called The Night You Caught on Fire. Oh, yeah. That reminds me of my friend Oren, who I've mentioned on the show. Yeah. Who tragically overdosed and died in 2018. Like the, It's almost like the lyrics just fit the situation so well that I, I only break that one out every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I guess some songs make me sad, so I won't listen to them as often, but I can't think of one that I just won't listen to. Now, Tommy, I gotta know, how are you doing? I have, We haven't spoken in almost three hours. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I had off today uh, because of Indigenous People's Day, and then I uh, my school is closed for this week because we had several COVID cases, so I'll be, t- I'll be teaching virtually for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week. Ah, so now, do you like that or do you not like that? I'm torn. Uh, I like it because I I don't like to, you know, I, I 
the commute I have in the morning is kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. And the commute in the afternoon can be bad if I have, you know, there's a lot of traffic. Um, but I don't not like being in front of the kids. That's, that's the, I, I like that my day gets shortened significantly. Yeah. Um, but not being in front of the kids and not being able to see what they're writing and help them through the problems. It really kind of breaks my heart because it's like, we're getting into more difficult stuff and I'm like, I need to see how you wrote the equations. Yeah, because I remember you said you'd like to be there. It's easier to control the class. It's easier to teach. So, And I don't lose kids. Like when yes. kids are home and, you know, they're on their phone or they're, you know, watching squid games on their TV, <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking, like that kind of shit. Like, fuck, man, like I, I can't compete with that. Oh, speaking of squid games. Yeah, you like that fucking segment there? <laughs> something. First of all, that was a great segue. Tommy, you're, you're just you're just becoming a pro at this. <laughs> Second of all. Something unprecedented has happened, folks. Now, usually I'm on the cutting edge of everything that's going on, and I have to catch Tommy up. Tommy has lapped me on Squid Games. Like, he he has seen it. He's on episode two, and I have not watched it. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I props had to you, well, Tommy. Well, I had off today, and I kept the baby home from daycare, so I was like, well, we'll just hang out today. And then when she took a nap, and she's a really good napper, she sleeps for like two and a half, three hours at a clip. So I put her down at like one o'clock. I did some grading, put some stuff in, and uh, watched Squid Games while I was doing it. Uh, the overdubbing is a little bit weird because it's, it's clearly like a Korean show, and they dub it in English. So like their mouths don't line up all the time exactly with what they're saying. Uh, but you get now, the Tommy. Do you watch the English dub or do you watch Korean language with English subtitles? I watched the English dub today because I was entering grades and I want to be able to pay attention to what I'm doing on the screen. Um, I when I when I watched it after I was done grading, I watch it in Korean with the English subtitles because uh, I actually want to hear what they're really saying. Like I want to, yeah, I want to see the actual acting, the English yep. subtitle stuff or the English overdub. But they're not going to be able to pull that off. But uh, yeah, I will be taking a short break from Instagram until I'm done um, because I noticed that everything is Squid Game now. <laughs> every meme, everything. everything. everything I'm, is- do- I'm doing my thing, Tommy, where I'm like, you know, everybody's talking about it, so I'm not going to watch it. I okay. think there's like a there's like a tinge of that, but I think mostly I just don't watch a lot of stuff. Okay. You know? But yeah. I-, I will watch this. I- it'll, prob- it'll probably be the next thing I watch. I'm not, I'm not refusing to watch it. I'm actually going to reattempt this. Uh, I started like years ago, Game of Thrones, and I didn't get past episode one. But I've had multiple people at work that I really like and respect that have said, you should really try it again. It is a great show with great character development. And I said, you know what? I respect your opinion. I'm actually going to give it another whirl. It's a good show. It's a good show. I watched the whole thing week to week from the time it premiered to the time it ended. I wouldn't say it's in my top five. Okay. But it's good. It's good. It's good Tommy, eat. I meant to ask you. Yeah. Have you ever watched The Sopranos? No. I knew it. Yeah, I don't know. I show. knew it. Yeah. Because the Sopranos movie is out, Tommy. Oh, the new, uh, what is it? The Angels of Newark or something the like Many that? Saints Many of Saints Newark. In, yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was like, I, I have to bring this up on the show, but I was like, oh, I'm going to be talking to myself. And there's no way Tommy has watched Sopranos because it's... Probably like like the first or second best show ever made. So of course he hasn't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I need your HBO Go password again. <laughs> well, it's already getting a lot of traction with some other people. So oh, never mind then. I'll, I can't I'll, spread I'll it. Get my, I'll get my mom's. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I, I watch Sopranos. 
before you watch Game of Thrones, honestly. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that advice because I, I, I'll be honest with you. The fantasy realm isn't as appealing as kind of like gangster crime things to me. Imagine Goodfellas, but it's like serialized six seasons of television. Yeah. It's great. It's iconic. And uh, let's see what else is going on. There was something else I wanted to say to you, but I can't remember what. Oh, Tommy, mm. in big podcasting news of our show, here, we'll count this as what's going on with me because. Okay. This is really all that's going on. I bought one of those uh, those arm thing, you know, like the the microphone arm for for your desk for podcasting. Yeah, the hang hangy down mic thing. Yeah, I bought one of those, so I'm an official professional broadcaster now. And I sent a picture to Tommy. I'm like, look what I got, <laughs> Tommy. Mm. Do you know what else I got? What? All right, you're gonna like this. I got a brand new, super powered desktop PC. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, my PC is on its way out. You know, it overheats. Uh, it's almost out of storage space, but it's also a laptop. Tommy, we need cutting-edge technology to produce the audio and video content that we need for our show. And it it will uh, it may double as a gaming PC, too. No. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but there will be a lot of work happening on it, and I'm going to use this as the motivation to finally start some home recording stuff as well. There you go. What kind of computer yeah. is it, if you don't mind my asking? Oh, you know what? I have to give a shout out to Stacy Hilt from the Casket Lottery. Him and I talk about gaming and computer stuff, and I have no, I had no idea what to get. And I was like, Stacy, here's my budget. What should I get? And he gave me a recommendation. So thank you, Stacy, for that. And folks, if you haven't heard Stacy or Nathan from the Casket Lottery's episodes of our podcast, I highly recommend them. Go and do it. Now, Tommy, I got... So that's the how you're... Because I, I feel bad not asking how you're doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is... The, I, I'm so high from, like, ordering this PC and okay. thinking about, like, you know, playing Warzone on PC and, and learning it there and getting better and all the production stuff I'm going to do. This is all I can think about. This is, like... This is all the only thing going on with me because my streak of uh, no news is good news is still going strong. Nice. So, like... Nothing's going on except I'm really stoked on buying some stuff. I got new pants from Costco. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were eleven ninety nine. They're like kind of like Carhartt kind of ones, so I can wear them to skate park. I put a hole in my other ones, and Kelly got real mad because they were ones I wore to work too. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Tommy got Costco pants, and I got a three thousand dollar gaming <laughs> PC. Okay, uh, CLX gaming <laughs> desktop. Intel Core i7, 16 gigabytes memory, GeForce RTX 3060 Ti graphics card, 240 gigabyte SSD, two terabyte hard drive. Boom. Done. I don't know. Yes. What, I don't know what any of those things meant, except for storage. I understand storage. I think the i7 is the best. Well, the i7 is the best processor I could get. The graphics card is not the best I could get, but it would have been like an extra thousand dollars or something. Get out, really. Yeah, and the, the the one that I selected is good. It, you know, it's it's sufficient for what I'm doing because this PC will not be exclusively for gaming. It, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, so I can't clog it up with games, you know? Well, uh, yeah, that's all that's going on with me. Everything's good. I'm feeling good. This is my favorite time of year. I'm into the Halloween stuff. I Every year I watch Halloween and Halloween 2. Well, I usually only get to the first Halloween, but Tommy, my plan this year is to watch Halloween... Halloween 2, 
and then Halloween, the 2016 movie, because that was really good. That, is that the Rob Zombie one? No. I like that one. Yeah, it was okay. Which the 2016? I got to look that up. I, I don't... Yeah. What did I watch the other night, and I was really... Oh, it was on demand. Uh, Stephen King's Children of the Corn? Oh, yeah. That's a great film, man. I really, really like that one. It's eerie. That is it's very a, eerie. Yeah, that is it, that. Yeah, that one isn't as scary as it is like unnerving. <laughs> like, it yep. makes you really uncomfortable. That movie. <laughs> it does. All right. Well, we're out of time. You know what I'm going to ask for, and I'm going to keep asking for it until you give us what we want. <laughs> Apple Podcast five star reviews. Write an actual review. We'll read it on the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the NE Scene. We're on the push to 3,300 followers on Instagram, and we're getting closer. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Like the videos. Comment on the videos. And follow our 2021 Spotify playlist. We have all of our guests and other music we like. And that's about it, right? That's it. I think you hit everything. Yeah, that's it. Well, we hope you enjoyed the show, and we're going to be back next week. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and until next time. Yay!